Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Caleb Kingsley. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Thank you, thank you. We are absolutely blessed uh, to call Providence home now. Uh, we're also extremely br- uh, blessed just by Nathan and Adrian and their family. They have been friends of ours for over the last five years. Um, we've been up here and interviewed a couple different times, and the timing never worked, but our friendship has just continued to grow, continued to um, just flourish. And I have learned more about just getting before the Father from Nathan than probably any other pastor I've met. And so that's why we're here. We believe in him. We believe in this church. We live in this house. And so uh, we're absolutely blessed to be here. So can we just give a, a, a warm thank you to Nathan just for all that he's done for our class. And real quick, before we jump in, um, take a look at this painting that happened during worship. I just want you to take it in for a minute. I found a verse in John 7, 37, uh, that says, Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scriptures say. And then it says in 39, Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive, but the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in his full splendor. Check out. Linda beautifully captured the hands of Jesus ripping apart the prison cells of our hearts. And once that heart was free, it's kind of underneath the, the, the dove, but once that heart is free, the Holy Spirit can come and rivers of flowing water can come out. It's pretty incredible. That's why we're here this morning. We're here so that Jesus has an opportunity to put his arms around us, and he has the opportunity to just pry open those prison bars that we've been hidden in. And a lot of us don't even know what those prison bars are. We kind of have these things that we bow down to, or we have these things that we worship, but then we also kind of have this understanding of authority, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But a lot of us, I even said that word and somebody cringed. I think a lot of people just kind of, oh, no. He's talking about authority. But a lot of us, if you think about it, we are a rebellious nation. We literally told England, bump you. And we kicked them all the way back with their tea in the Boston Harbor. And that's kind of, that's, that's what we were based on. We're based on, hey, we're an American nation. We're going to do what we want. No one can tell me otherwise. And if I don't like it, I'm going to go start it somewhere else. And that's totally within our right to do that. But the unfortunate part is if we bring a business sense into the family that is our church, and we begin to act like independent CEOs fighting each other, the world will come into these doors and say, this looks like everything I see out there. Why would I come in and celebrate this Jesus if we're ripping each other apart at the seams? And so I don't want to talk about spiritual authority from the place of, hey, let me help Nathan get you under his thumb. Let me help me get you, like get you under my thumb, 
Because now I'm the authority. I spoke from the front. Now I have power. That's not the point. I want to reorganize it in our minds for a second that instead of talking about spiritual authority and maybe even some of the ways that that's been abused over the years, I want to talk about kingdom authority. There's a lot of us that we don't operate in our own authority that God has given us. All the things that Nathan just talked about when it came to communion about what Christ has done for me, if I don't even understand that, it will always cause me to question my calling. It'll definitely get me to question your calling and anyone who doesn't agree with me. And that's such a dangerous place to live in because we are a kingdom family. And so I want to establish that kingdom family, and then we're going to get into kingdom authority. Uh, Matthew 12, 46 through 50. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. Um, it's a beautiful translation. I like lots of translations. I have a few of them up there today. But Matthew 12, 46 through 50 says, While Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and brothers came and stood outside asking for him to come out and speak with them. Then someone said, look, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to have a word with you. But Jesus just looked at him and said, let me introduce you to my true mother and brothers. Then gesturing to the disciples gathered around him, he said, look closely, for this is my true family. When you obey my heavenly father, that makes you part of my true family. There's a saying that's gone around for a long, long time, blood is thicker than water. And we love that phrase because it kind of gives us an excuse to be manipulative with our family members, that you need to come home for Christmas, you need to, you know, come over to the house because someone's sick or because we need to celebrate or we need to do this, this, and that. And I have heard, I actually could not find proof of this, minus scripture with what Jesus just said, but the original quote is said to be, the blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb. So now we've got a different paradigm. Now it's my kingdom family is so much thicker than just the person who bore me. My kingdom family matters more than the person that is my brother, and I love him. And if he's a part of my kingdom family, man, all the more glory and honor. But there's a little bit of it that we sit here and say, oh, the people I go to church with don't matter, and it's only about my family. I'm not going to agree with anybody. I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm not going to walk with anybody because they're not my family. And yet Jesus says right here, hey, let me tell you who my real family is. Anyone that we are walking in life together with, that is my brother and that is my sister. But if I don't have that mentality, man, I'm going to miss so much of what God has for us. Uh, Matthew, let me find it. Matthew 23, 9 says, and you are not to be addressed as fathers, for you have one father who is in heaven. And this is kind of the verse that people use to kind of combat the idea of kingdom family. Don't call anybody father. We're not going to call our pastor father. We're not going to call, you know, this person mother or, you know, anything like that. If you go back through the rest of chapter 23, it's actually saying that the Pharisees are looking for any excuse to basically lord themselves over you. And anyone who does that who's trying to force 
the title of father on you, who's trying to force the title of teacher on you, who's trying to force the title of authority on you. The only, if they're doing that, the only authority you need is God. But at the same time, if my theology causes me to break relationship with you, then my theology is based on reading a scripture in the dark that has nothing to do with the truth of what God has actually said. And so if we're reading scripture, if we are in the Bible, if we are going after kingdom family, it should cause us to get closer rather than more divided. But I have to believe that you're my brother. I have to believe that you're my sister. 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2 says, Don't be harsh or verbally abusive to an older man. It is better to appeal to him as a father. And as you minister to the younger men, it is best to encourage them as your dear brothers. Honor the older women as mothers and the younger women. Treat them as dear sisters with utmost purity. So again, here's the paradigm. If you're older than me, my God-given sacrificial act of worship is to honor you as if you were my very own father. I love the Passion Translation because it says, don't be harsh or verbally abusive to an older man. Oh, my Lord, I've done that to my father. I've said some things that I will not repeat here. But how many of us can say that? How many of us can say that even in our own families, we have found the easiest people to hate and to be angry with? But that's because a lot of the way that we grow up, a lot of the way that we parent, a lot of the way that we do family today is ownership. And I'm just learning this. I'm a father for five seconds. But for me to treat my children as brothers and sisters, that I'm here to encourage them and walk with them and uplift them, not to own them and pound them and make them become mine, that's a paradigm shift. I didn't grow up in that. And it's not that my parents, like, smoked me, but, the, but there was definitely a difference between, like, the authority of the parent versus the child. And that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I respect my parents. I love my parents. The way that they brought me up, they brought me up in a house like this where there was kingdom family, where there was love, where there was joy. But there was still a disconnect between the parents and the kids. And so I should have done a better job of honoring them as a father and a mother physically. But I've also done a really bad job because of that disconnect in my mind. Every authority figure that I came under over the last 10 years, I've had issues with and I've struggled with and I've fought with because I didn't understand my identity. I didn't know who I was. So I'm definitely gonna question you in the process because what I'm really doing is questioning myself. But we rarely like to actually draw into question what I'm doing wrong. And we love to pass the buck that it's all their fault. And so when it comes to authority, there's three ways we have to look at it. I'm not going to give you a three-point sermon. We're just going to kind of talk about these things. But I have to learn how to walk in authority. Then I have to learn how to walk with authority, meaning how do I walk alongside of a friend who is the authority of our church, and yet, how do I also do a friendship with that person? And then, how do I submit myself under authority? If we can get these three things, 
a lot of the dysfunction in the church, a lot of the discord in our kingdom family will die down, but we'll get there. So before we jump into that, um, let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to go. Father, you've already been ministering so beautifully in this place. And yet, Lord, there are so many places that are prisons inside of us that we are locked in, trapped in, and we honestly have no clue how to get out of it. We find ourselves in the same repetition over and over and over again with every pastor we walk into, with every boss that we get hired by, and especially with every family member that we are in proximity to. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just move across this room right now. That you would begin to unlock the gates that we have been unfortunately hiding behind. And I pray that you would begin to woo the very heart of us out from hiding and give us permission to step out. We love you, Lord. We bless you. Never pray. Amen. So walking in kingdom authority. Uh, I'm going to try to make this really quick. Uh, I worked at a church previous to us moving up here. And the, the man who hired me is still an amazing friend today, Marcus Bellamy. He hired me. I had nine months of beautiful ministry with him because even in my immaturity, he knew how to lead me. And we walked beautifully together until the day that he ended up leaving that church. And then the next guy came in. And the next guy that they hired as the campus pastor was previously the small groups pastor. So we were like working together. Then we went from working together to him being the boss. And I didn't handle that very well. Um, I'm a very strong personality. My name is Caleb Joshua. I like to think that I am the only one who brings the good report. And if you don't know what that means, please go back and read the Exodus journey when they're going into the promised land. So, but that has been my heritage. I'm the one who's right, you're wrong. And so a very, very, very long story short, this new campus pastor and I butted heads and we butted hard. What I was butting heads with though was my own stubbornness and my own inability to submit to new authority. And actually what I would even deem as wrong authority. And so that transition happened in about June about July, I'm ready to tender my resignation. Bethany and I are going to pack up. And we're going to move out to California and go to Bethel, and all our problems are going to be solved. <laughs> we're going to go to Christian Mecca and just worship God all day and get slain in the spirit. It's going to be beautiful. And then I heard a message by Amanda Cook who said, yeah, everybody thinks that. Then you get off the plane, the air hits you in the face, and you realize you're in the wilderness. And God brought you here to break you. And I was like, oh, I don't want that. So I, God began to woo me into this journey of saying, okay, I understand that you're really, 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 really mad at this guy, but have you even prayed for him? Ugh. God, stop it. I'm a pastor. I don't need to pray for him. You know what he's doing wrong. He's like, I know. And God didn't really say it, but he basically kind of invited me to kind of go, oh, no, but what am I doing wrong? 
and that was hard. And so I started to pray for him. My first journal entry was very much like some of the things that I used to say to my parents. And the first general, uh, journal entry was, God, I, expletive, hate this guy. Very good prayer. Super spiritual. But quite honestly, I'm at the point, and I'm not, I'm not giving you free license to say anything and everything you want, but like if you're already thinking it, God already knows. And if you're hiding it, now we're living in shame of the fact that I'm thinking it, but I'm already thinking it. I don't ever want to let it go. And God's like, hey, can I have that? So again, don't hear me say you can, you know, drop whatever bomb you want to drop on anybody. That's not the point. But with God and the privacy of your own prayer life, give it to him. Because when I finally got that thought out of my head, on paper prayed it, it's now out, my heart started to change. Now, the next couple of prayers for the next week were still filled with some expletives. But the, the very next week, I all of a sudden had this vision of this guy's family, of his childhood, and all of a sudden my heart broke. It had nothing to do with the fact that all of a sudden I thought everything he thought was right. It just gave me a grace for why he was thinking what he was thinking. And so over the next couple of months, God just said, serve him. Lord, his ideas are dumb. God's going, so are yours. Touche. He said, serve him, love him, pray for him. I did that for four months. Another side story I'm not going to get into, that was about the time that Nathan called me and said, hey, we're looking. And God used our interview process with Providence to gracefully get us out of a season of discomfort. That's a, time, that's a story for another time. The entire fall of 2016, I prayed for this guy. I supported his ideas. And I loved him. Now, in that process, I would do something. It would be wrong, and I'd have to do it again. I'm never wrong. <laughs> I'd turn it back in. It was wrong. I'm Caleb Joshua. The sixth time I turn something in and it's wrong, God just kind of, after I walk out of the office, God just whispers and goes, this isn't about you. This is about him. And again, my heart's breaking. Because at that moment, I'm realizing that even if an authority figure is wrong, my response doesn't have to be dictated by their actions. But that takes someone who's walking in the kingdom authority that God has given them. I didn't know who I was. I needed validation from him that if he said good job, oh, I'm doing a good job. He says I'm doing a bad job. Oh, I come home and I'm mad at Bethany. I'm mad at the world. I binge watch CBS television shows all night and life is awful. All because... I'm and I talked about this with our worship leadership team yesterday because I'm trying to get validation from the wrong place. 
The second that I was getting it from God, and every day I went home defeated and frustrated, he would whisper to me in the car, good job. You loved him the way I needed to love him today. I was like, I'm a little messed up by it. He's like, I know. (laughs) And then Bethany loved me incredibly during that season, that as I was giving love, instead of trying to receive it, I was gaining it from her. It was beautiful. But I think the principle in, that the Lord really taught me in that season was from Genesis 9, 18 through 23. And if this is the only thing that I get to say today, praise God, because this absolutely has wrecked me for the rest of my life. They've just gotten off the boat. Oh, come on. They've just gotten off the boat. And Noah has planted a vineyard, for those of you who have read it before. And Genesis 9, 18 says, Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. I pray I said any of those names correctly. And Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. That's pretty sweet. Then Noah began farming and planting a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside his tent. He's at home. Like, we can't fault the dude. But he's uncovered. I'm going to just leave it at that. Ham, the father of Canaan, which you named your kid Ham. (laughs) Boar's head, come here. Sorry. Ham, the father of Canaan, I mean, they had to name him Ham. Like, they're on the boat for like a year. You know, like, come on. Come on. Anyway. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. There, we said it. He's naked. And told his two brothers outside. And I want us to stop here. Because a lot of us think that's walking in authority, what Ham did. If I find a fault, I uncover it. Someone said something wrong, it's my job, who's now the authority because I caught the mistake, to come rub it in your face. Because that worked really well when I was younger. If my dad did something wrong, hey dad, I think you're lighting that tree wrong. You know, like he didn't, he never threw anything at me, but the words came out. (laughs) You, you know, and then all of a sudden now it's like run for your life, get a Nerf gun and shoot my dad and then instigate it higher. It doesn't work calling out somebody's wrong. And a lot of us have actually operated like that, that we think if I'm the one who points out the wrong, that makes me the authority. No, it makes me a a butt. (laughs) I really wanted to say the other one because I just want to have freedom and grace, but at the same time, I know we're not all there yet, so that's okay. (laughs) But it just makes me a jerk. But I'm so desperate to be seen. I'm so desperate to get authority, to gain authority, to have the ability to speak at a stage. So I'm going to correct you every day of my life and make sure that you know how wrong you are. But even though I may be right, if I'm wrong with how I'm saying it, what I'm saying, and when I'm saying it, it doesn't matter how right I am. And actually something that I'm still learning from my marriage is I can be right, but still be wrong at the top of my voice.
So why are we in such need of a power play? Why do I have to be the one to make sure that my slate is clean? Because that's what Ham did. I want to make sure that everybody knows that I didn't pass this up. But look at what his brothers do. So he goes out and tells his two brothers, but Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Kingdom of authority. Actually, let me finish this. With their faces were tur- and their faces were turned away so they did not see their father's nakedness. If there's one thing we can walk away with today, it has to be this. This in the Old Testament is a picture of kingdom authority. So uh, Proverbs 19:11 says it is our glory to overlook an offense. And so I want you to see this because Ham exposes Shem and Japheth cover. And this is so hard to do. Trust me. Cuz I'm right. All the time. Bethany would disagree with you, but I'm right. But even when she is wrong, which never happens, am I going to use Instagram to uncover it? Or am I going to turn my face away from the nakedness? Am I going to turn my face away from the blemish? Am I going to turn my face away from the wrong? And with Jesus, take a garment and slowly back up, turning my face away until we sense that she is covered. That is kingdom authority. But we're all vying for position. And the unfortunate part is, if I'm actually operating more as an orphan rather than a son or a daughter of the kingdom, I will try to undercut you to gain position. I will use my rightness to point out your wrong, but I've actually alienated you, hurt you, stabbed you, and tossed you out like trash in the process. That's not family. Because as much as we get mad at our families, if anything happened, and I know that there's some brokenness in the room. I know. I get it. But if we are family, and if Christ, with his blood, has looked away from our sin and backed up with his robe of righteousness to cover us, in the midst of our wrong. How on earth do we have the ability to sit here and point out something that Jesus won't even look at? This is heavy, this is hard. I'm preaching to myself a lot of the time because man, I could critique anything and everything. I coached tennis for like 10 years. My job was to look at you, just the way you walked onto the court, I could tell what kind of tennis player you were the way you picked up your racket, 
the way you held a tennis ball. I could size you up before you ever even swung a racket. That was my job. That's what made me good at it. But I can't even tell the kid who hit the ball poorly, wow, that was terrible. Who's going to go to a coach like that? That was interesting. Good job. Let's try this this time. Are we okay with people's mistakes? Or are we so uncomfortable with failure that we have to expose theirs in order to cover ours up? Because every time I uncover you, I'm actually covering myself. But two boys, let's say they're men, two sons who could have easily laughed with their brother at their father's idiotic placement and maybe Noah deserved it. He built a boat when it had never rained before. The earth flooded. Animals came two by two. And like the hand of God closed the boat. He saw some stuff. Like doesn't he deserve to like make some wine? It doesn't say that he sinned, but maybe he did. Maybe because he got drunk, he sinned. But even if it's the most worst vile thing, and now he's supposed to be the father of all the rest of humanity, if even in his brokenness, his sons have the audacity to cover him, Noah covered them for a year with a boat. They were watching, they were learning, they weren't just keeping score, they were recognizing the authority that he walked in and that gave them permission to walk in it with him. Do we have grace for each other? Wives, do you have grace for your husband? Husband, do you have grace for your wife? Children, are you there to point out every single time your parent does something wrong? <laughs> or are you there to help? I'm not asking for a giant cover-up. I'm not asking for us to, to hide dysfunction. But if we cover it, it gives God an ability to heal it. And that's the thing that matters more than anything. Ah, oh, there's so much. In order for us to walk in our kingdom identity, I have to really understand that it frees me to walk with authority properly. So I need to know who I am. I can only do that by learning who God is. Now to walk with someone who's in authority, it actually frees me from fear and comparison because I don't have to have all the answers. If they're the boss, whew, pressure's off. Be excited that somebody else carries the weight and help them carry it. Because if they're, if they're juggling 10 balls and you've got this one that you're like, I care about discipleship, but this is the only ball I can juggle. If I tell them they need to stop juggling their 10 so we can juggle this one, we've just lost 10. But if I start to help juggle my ball into the mix, now we've got 11 and now we've grown. And then somebody else brings what they're passionate about, prayer. We bring that in, now we've got 12. We can't judge what somebody else is not juggling because we have one ball they don't have. 
We have to respect and honor what it is that they're carrying. And that's everybody, parents, kids, anybody. Remember, if they're older than you, treat them as a father and a mother. If they're younger than you, treat them as a brother and a sister. Does that mean I'm gonna spank my kids one day? Heck yeah. But at the same time, if I can walk them through the mistake rather than just punish bad behavior, hopefully I can set them up for victory. So that's what it is to walk with authority. To walk under authority, majority of the time it has very little to do with me. Or sorry, back up. Majority of the time it has very little to do with them and has everything to do with me. The second that you go up to your boss, your pastor, your spouse, whoever the authority figure that you're struggling with, if anger wells up because of something that they said, they didn't cause the anger. They may have pressed you and the anger came out, but that anger was here. If someone causes you to be depressed, if someone causes you to be sad, if someone causes you to run, that's already in here. Me submitting to authority looks like first submitting to God's authority. And if I can do that and actually bring who I am to the table and say, God, I really hate this person, but I need you to work in here. Is there anything in me that doesn't reflect your purity right now? Search me and find. And as we begin to pray for that parent, we begin, we begin to pray for that spouse, we begin to pray for that pastor, we begin to pray for that boss or leader, all of a sudden we start changing. We start growing. Because here's the deal, if I don't even honor God's authority, that's probably why I'm not honoring yours. But here's the deal, if God's the ultimate authority, the only reason that somebody has any is because he established it. So if I'm struggling with your authority, I'm actually struggling with God. Are you willing to say, I need to work on some things? The orphan spirit will say, nope, I'm good. But a son and a daughter of the kingdom will recognize the value in other people and realize I don't have to have all the answers. And guess what? God is freeing me from always being right. And it's beautiful because now the pressure is not on me to always have to do something. I don't have to run into the room when the babies are crying because I trust Bethany with our children. But if I don't trust her, the second a baby cries, what'd you do? That's terrifying for a spouse. Now I'll still ask, hey, what happened? Do I need to, do I need to help? Do I need to get off the couch? But if I don't trust somebody, I don't trust myself and I don't trust God. Are you willing to admit that this morning? If you are, I just want you to go ahead and just stand to your feet. And this isn't an admission of guilt, this is just an admission of God, I need to grow. God, I need to take a step. God, I need you to work inside of me this morning. And if we can, let's just open up our hands to receive.
So Holy Spirit, right now, we know that at some point in our lives, an authority figure failed us. And Holy Spirit, we know that at some point we failed in our authority in somebody else's life. We are not perfect. And there is no expectation from heaven that we have to be. And so Holy Spirit, would you pry the bars open off of our hearts? And would you come and touch us? Come and breathe on us. Come land on us in only the way that you can. So that rivers of living water would burst forth from us. And that we would continually cover any offense with your love. Cover any offense with your grace. Cover any offense with heaven's perspective. Lord Jesus, I just see you backing over this entire room with your robe, your robe of righteousness. I pray that we would understand that we carry authority because you gave it to us. I pray that we would understand that our job is not to lord it over anyone, but we have the beautiful opportunity to minister it to everyone. So Lord, come and have your way in this place. We love you. We're going to pray. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.